Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الخلق والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل بعقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جعلته سهلا وأنت تجعل الحزن إن شئت سهلا إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضله فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله وصفيه من خلقه وخليله بلغ الرسالة وأدى الأمانة ونصح الأمة وكشف الغمة وتركها على محجة بيضاء ليلها كنهارها لا يزيغ عنها إلا هالك أما بعد قال الله تعالى في كتابه الكريم بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا واتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته I begin this khutbah today, inshallah, with the remembrance of the month that we are in. Uh, many occasions happening during this month. And first and foremost, the remembrance of the birth of Rasulullah. And it's important to understand the birth of Rasulullah and what kind of society and what kind of born he, world he was born into. What was the situation that was going on around him? What kind of society did he enter? What were the people that he interacted with? And most importantly, how did he change the society for the better? A society that had the greatest absolute moral values that reigned for 1300 years. It all started with the birth of Rasulullah wasallam, Muhammad ibn Abdullah. The society and the world that Rasulullah was brought into upon his birth on Rabi' al-Awwal was a society of mushrikeen, a society of jahiliyyah, a society that worshipped idols, worshipped stones that did not benefit them, and that could not even help their own selves. A society that cheated people in trade, that cheated the scale. A society that enslaved mankind. A society that exploited people, exploited people of different colors, discrimination. A society that exploited people for labor and money. A society that used to utilize riba, interest, for the sake of those in power to create a larger wealth gap between them and the poor. A society where zina 
and immorality was openly practiced and was spread all across the world. A society that had values such as dishonor, disgrace, a society that followed their own desires, a society that was drowning in tribalism, that were going at each other's throats because they came from a certain tribe, from a certain lineage, as compared to their neighbors from a different tribe. Bloodshed for thousands of years over tribalism. This is the society and this is the world that Rasulullah was born into on Rabi' al-Awwal. And this is a society that he sought to change and he succeeded in doing so. Now Rasulullah changed the society. What are the qualities of the society that he changed? What are the qualities of the society that he built? The state that he built? The ideology that he came with? The system of life? What are the qualities of this society implemented in the world? It's a system that brings honor to society, that brings dignity, that brings pride. A society that carries Tawheed, that carries La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, that worships one God, none other than Allah. A society that submits its wills and its desires to the Creator who created it and follow its, follows its purpose in life. A society that provides justice for all mankind, whether black or white, whether from whatever, whatever point, geographical location on earth, whether Muslim or non-Muslim, whether Jewish or Christian, a society that provides justice and serves all of mankind, a society that offers respect and modesty, a society that promotes justice and forbids evil, and spreads good, and spreads the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the society that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi built. Imagine every single one of the things that we've listed, of the characteristics of the people of Jahiliyyah, the people that Rasulullah was born into, the characteristics of that society, Rasulullah built a society exactly opposite to that. Every bad characteristic and every bad trait turned into a positive characteristic and a good trait. How did Rasulullah achieve this within his 60 years, 63 years on the face of this earth? Now I started off with the remembrance of the birth of Rasulullah But more importantly, another major event in the lifetime of Rasulullah occurred in the same exact month, in the days that we are living in today, which is the hijrah of Rasulullah The hijrah of the Messenger of Allah and the Sahaba from Mecca to Medina. Brothers, if you could move forward. Jazakallah khair. It's the remembrance of the hijrah of Rasulullah the pilgrimage from Mecca to Medina. It was a transformation from weakness to strength. It was a transformation from injustice to justice. It was a transformation from living under the subject of man's desires to living under the rules in the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the absolute, the just, the all-knowing, the wise. He transformed the whole entire world upside down with this hijrah. And that's why this hijrah is much more significant than his birth. Because the hijrah of Rasulullah is when Sayyidina Muhammad truly achieved his message and his purpose as a messenger that was sent to mankind. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, هُوَ الَّذِي أَرْسَلَ رَسُولَهُ بِالْهُدَى وَدِينِ الْحَقِّ لِيُظْهِرَهُ عَلَى دِينِ كُلِّهِ وَلَوْ كَلِهَ الْمُشْرِكُونَ هُوَ الَّذِي أَرْسَلَ رَسُولَهُ بِالْهُدَى وَدِينِ الْحَقِّ لِيُظْهِرَهُ عَلَى دِينِ كُلِّهِ وَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ شَهِيدًا 
It is He, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who has sent His Messenger to all mankind, to the world, so that Islam, so that the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may prevail above all other religions, above all other ways of life. Even if the disbelievers, the mushrikeen, detest it and are against it. Regardless of what the disbelievers think, regardless of what the whole entire world thinks, whether they like it or not, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent the message of Islam and the deen of Islam to Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu And this message is to be risen over all ways of life. With no exclusion, no conditions. Because this is an absolute message from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is an absolute system of life from the Creator that needs to be implemented. And anything other than that will only provide injustice for mankind. And this is what we see today. Every other system has been implemented except Islam today. And we see the injustice going on. We see the failure of these systems to provide for these people and take care of the affairs of the people. What is the characteristics of this system that we're talking about? What is the guidance that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent Rasulullah to mankind? This guidance, and the truthful religion, the truthful way of life, the truthful deen. What is the characteristics of this deen? What does it provide? And what did Rasulullah bring to the table when he made pilgrimage from Mecca to Medina to change the society that is in? Again, we stated that Islam is just. Islam is justice. It is the definition of justice. There is no laws that are more laws, that are more just than the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is no system that is more just. Islam came and it abolished slavery. It said no man has the right to own another human being. We are all slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Islam came and removed any discrimination between people. It separated and destroyed the borders that were once drawn between us. These tribalistic borders. When Rasulullah made hijrah to, Mecca, to Medina, what is the, one of the first things that he done? He created a brotherhood between Al-Muhajirin and Al-Ansar. He created a brotherhood between those that made hijrah and the Ansar, the supporters that were in Medina that accepted Islam. That gave him a pledge of allegiance. That gave him the support to establish the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Medina al-Munawwar. He removed any animosity of tribalism. They became brothers in Islam. Where they separated and they distributed their wealth amongst them. Whatever I own, my brother owns. Although I don't even know him. Why? Because he removed any animosity that separated them. Any lines, any borders, any lineage. As long as you are under Islam. As long as you are under the, the shi'ar. The slogan of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. You have what I have. Not only that, imagine the justice that Islam also provided when Rasulullah made hijrah. And established the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on earth. Rasulullah says what in a hadith? He says, whosoever harms or kills a dhimmi will never smell the fragrance of Jannah, ever. What is a dhimmi? A dhimmi is a non-Muslim citizen of the Islamic State. There was Jews at the time of Rasulullah in the Khilafah when he was in Medina Munawwara. There was many Jews, there was three Jewish tribes actually. There was a large population of Jews that lived under the rule of Islam, that lived under the protection of Rasulullah and the army of Islam. They would pay a jizya, they would pay a yearly tax in exchange for the security. Rasulullah is promising them, and any dhimmi to come after him, whosoever, this is a warning to all the Muslims, if you harm any non-Muslim citizen of the Khilafah of Islam, you're never going to smell the fragrance of Jannah. What more justice do you want than this? Even the non-Muslims, they have not accepted this message, this just message that we carry, 
they have the same exact rights as a Muslim has in this Khilafah, in this state, in this just system. This is what Rasulullah brought to the table. Rasulullah carried out one of the most important aspects and pillars of Islam. He carried out jihad. He carried out carrying the message to, uh, the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the whole entire world. He removed any obstacle between the people, whether it's in Yemen, whether it's in Ablad al-Habashi, whether it's in Rome, Roman Empire, whether it's in the Persian Empire, whether it's in Mecca, whether it's in the neighboring Arab tribes, later on, whether it's in Europe, whether it's in China, whether it's in India, whether it's in Northern Africa, Islam comes to remove all the obstacles between the people and Islam. That's the number one objective of the state, is to carry this message to the whole entire world. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, we have not sent you, O Muhammad, except as a mercy to all mankind, do not exclude anybody. It is your responsibility and the responsibility of every Muslim to carry this message. And this is what Rasulullah did. He removed the obstacles between people and Islam. And you see, when Rasulullah started carrying out jihad, he started removing the obstacles between the people, the citizens, and Islam. When he conquered and opened Mecca, how many people under entered Islam? During the Sulh al Hudaybiyyah, when he would send saraya and he would send expeditions of his men to neighboring Arab tribes, how many people would enter Islam under the justice of Islam? This is what Rasulullah brought to the table. This is how he changed the world in a short period of time. Within the, the 14th year of Hijrah to the 23rd year, when he died, after the first year of Hijrah to the, to the 13th year of Hijrah, or the 13th year of his life, till he died, he changed the whole entire world in which he lived in. We're living in the same exact situation. Rego through the list in your head. We're living in discrimination. We're living in sexism, enslavement, sex trafficking, uh, wealth gap between the rich and the poor, exploitation, taking advantage of people, cheating, zina, riba, immorality, no humility, no humbleness, no honor. We're living in the same situation. How did Rasulullah change it? It's because the message of Islam came to solve mankind's problems. And most importantly, is that Rasulullah and the Sahaba and the Muslimin at that time, they had one objective in mind. It was to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what it means for them to carry the idea of Tawheed, to carry the slogan on their back and carry the flag over their heads, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, that we worship none other than Allah and we only seek the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No matter if it benefits us in this life or not, we seek the pleasure of Allah. We provide justice for all of mankind, even if we like it or not. Why? Because we're going to be held accountable someday. The ruler is going to be held accountable someday. The Muslimin are going to be held accountable someday on what's going on to their Muslim brothers and sisters. When you only have the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as an objective in your heart, that's when you can truly provide justice to mankind. Because no matter what obstacles you face, no matter what's going on, I only have one goal is to please Allah. How am I going to please Allah? By doing what He commanded me to do. By implementing this system that I have between my hands. The system that could save mankind from the darkness that they're living in today. Whether Muslim or non-Muslim. This is the system that we have between our hands today. Later after the death of Rasulullah did his message stop? Did the justice that he brought to the world stop? Did it end there after his death? Or did Abu Bakr al-Siddiq stand up in front of the Sahaba in the masjid and did he not say his famous line? 
من كان يعبد محمد فإن محمدا قد مات ومن كان يعبد الله فإن الله حي لا يموت whosoever worships Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so Muhammad is dead Rasulullah is dead but whoever worships Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never had a beginning and he will never have an end so you must also always worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did this message carry on after Al-Khulafa al-Rashidin, did it not carry on for over 1200 years after the death of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Providing justice. So where is the justice? I'll bring you countless examples of the justice and how Islam being implemented as a way of life, as a state, as a khilafah, provided justice for mankind. Shortly after Al-Khulafa al-Rashidin, Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, look at the justice of the economic system in Islam. When resources are justly distributed to people, when resources and jobs and money and welfare and opportunities are, are actually accessible to mankind in the society, look at what happens. An example at the time of Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, where there was no more poor people left in the Khilafah. And at the time of Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, the Khilafah was not small. The Khilafah did not only live in the Middle East, in the Arabian Peninsula, it had expanded all the way into Western Asia, to Northern Africa, to the southern borders of Europe. It was a large state at the time of Umar ibn Abdul Aziz. And yet, in this ginormous country, not one poor person was left to the point where there was an excess of wealth and money in Bayt Mal al-Muslimin, the treasury of the, of the Khilafah. That Umar ibn Abdul Aziz ordered that wheat would be spread across the mountains so not even birds would go hungry in the Khilafah state. Imagine. This is the justice of the economic system in Islam. This is the justice that it provides. In America today, and this is, a, this is a, 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 a fact, today, this year, you have over 30 million people in America, the superpower of the world, that implements capitalism, the best system for mankind, right? The greatest economic system. Brothers, please move up. The greatest economic system to serve the world. 30 million plus people don't have their basic needs met. They don't have food. They don't have water, they don't have shelter. Look at how capitalism filled the world. Look at how it filled its own citizens. Would this happen in the Islamic economic system? Of course not. لَإِنُّ Islam has the solution. It knows how to properly distribute the resources to people. How to properly make resources accessible to mankind. How to take care of people. And when you have a Khalifa, a leader, that truly fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and knows he's gonna stand in front of Allah, and he's gonna be asked about the person that was homeless. In the corner of the street, he's going to be asked about that person. He makes it his number one priority to make sure his needs are met. And he has food, and he has a job, and he can't take care of himself and his, and his family. Another example, Salah al-Din al-Ayyubi. Way after Umar ibn Abdul Aziz. We were weak at that time. The Muslim woman was weak. We were separated. Similarly to how we were separated today. We had lost the third holiest land, Bayt al-Maqdis, Masjid al-Aqsa. But upon that, another leader arises, one that fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one that implements the sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to provide justice for all mankind, gathers the Muslim armies together, and he frees Masjid al-Aqsa. He frees Bilad al-Sham once again from the Crusaders. Another example, one of the greatest stories in Islamic history is the story of Samarkand. This was a city in, on the borders of what could be known today as... Uh, East Asia, Eastern, now Western part of Asia, excuse me. Samarkand was a big city. They were Christian. 
So one of the Muslim leaders of the army, uh, Qutayb al-Muslim, he took the Muslim army and he barged into the city of Samarkand and he did not offer them Islam and he did not offer them jizya and he just bashed into the city and he took it over and he conquered that city. Now one of the priests in Samarkand, he knew that Muslims had three steps in jihad. They knew that the people needed to be offered Islam first. He knew that if they rejected to accept Islam, then they would be offered to live under the Islamic State and return pay for attacks for their protection. And if they rejected that and they carried swords, then the Muslims would remove those that are fighting them in order to carry the message of Islam to the people. Qutayb ibn Muslim did not do that. He just went to the third step and he conquered that city. This priest went to the Khalifa himself and he told him, your Muslim leader of the army did one, two, three. He wrote him a note and he sent him to a court where the priest and Qutayb ibn Muslim, the leader of the Muslim armies, would be judged in front of a in front of the in front of a scholar in front of a judge. And to the surprise of the priest, what did the judge rule? He ruled that Qutayb ibn Muslim's actions were incorrect, and he needs to pull out all of his soldiers out of Samarkand immediately. Within a day, he pulled all of the Muslim soldiers out of one of the biggest cities at that time. And when the people of Samarkand witnessed this justice that the people provided, from a military perspective, from an economic perspective, from a moral perspective, from a political perspective, and how it deals with other countries, they knew Islam was the just religion. They knew Islam was the truth, and the whole entire city accepted Islam. One more, or two more final examples, just so we could see what Islam brings to the table in the world today. What do we have to offer today? The golden, age, the golden age of Islam, the golden age of the world, were innovations and development in astronomy, in technology, in science, in medication, in pharmacy, flourished to a level unprecedented in history. Muslim scientists, Muslim scholars, Muslim mathematicians, Muslim astronomists. This was all under the rule of Islam. Because Islam wants its people and its civilization to develop and it wants it to flourish. From an academic perspective, from a scholarly perspective, from a shari perspective, it gives the people the resources. That's why under the Khilafah education is free. You shouldn't have to pay for an education. You should have the right to go to school and get an education and excel in whatever field that you want on free of charge. Because this is a state that truly wants its society to elevate and excel in all different fields. And finally, during Adon al-Abbasiyyah, when Islam truly promoted the idea of seeking knowledge, it was, this was, you could say, the golden age of fiqh in Islam. The greatest scholars that understood the deen of Islam and that we carry and learn from today emanated during Adon al-Abbasiyyah, during that time period, those two, three hundred years. It was said during that time that one street, one neighborhood in Baghdad had, guess how many uh, scholars? How many mushtahideen to be precise? Not a scholar, not a sheikh of a masjid, a mushtahid. Someone that could extract Islamic rulings. Over 300 mushtahideen in one street. In one street in Baghdad. Try and count 300 mushtahideen today. You might, you might find it impossible to count 300 mushtahideen in the world that we live in today. Why? Because Islamic education is not, is not something that we are told to seek. It is only left for a small group of people. Second of all, it's not accessible for us. This is something that Khilafah and Islam is a system implemented 
truly pushes to people. This is what the Hijrah of Rasulullah offered to the world. This is what the Hijrah of Rasulullah this is what emanated from it. This is what emanated from all the suffering that he and the Sahaba went through. This is, this is what emanated from all the pain that they went through. This is one of the most important historical landmarks as we as Muslims should remember. This is where Islam was written down in history. This is where the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reigned over all other ways of life and provided justice for all mankind. And again, the examples are endless. And the world today, look around, needs Islam more than ever. People are dying, Muslim and non-Muslim. People don't have jobs. People are living in debt. Wars going on all around the world. We need this system to be implemented today so we could rise as a whole entire society. And don't think that it's something that we fantasize about. It's not something it's impossible. This is our purpose in this life. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Again, this message, this deen, this way of life was set, to, uh, set down to Rasulullah so we could carry it to the whole entire world so that it is number one. The way of life of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is number one, and no other religion is above that. Because anything above that would be injustice for every single human being on this earth. And that is our job. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is gone. But we worship and fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What we have is the solution for all mankind. What we have is an economic system that excels any economic system that ever existed in the world. Socialism has failed. Communism has failed. Capitalism is failing. Any other system that will come will fail until Islam comes to the playing field politically again. Until the Muslims unite once again under the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Qala Allah ta'ala fi kitab al-kareem ba'da a'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusallun ala nabi. Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ومن اتبعهم بإحساننا إلى يوم الدين يا رب العالمين اللهم انصر الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم انصر الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم انصر من نصر دين محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم واجعلنا منهم واخذل من خذل دين محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ولا تجعلنا منهم اللهم أرنا الحق حقا ورزقنا اتباعه وأرنا الباطل باطلا ورزقنا اجتنابه اللهم نور قلوبنا بنور الإيمان اللهم اغفر للمؤمنين والمؤمنات الأحياء منهم والأموات اللهم لا, تجع... لا تدع لنا في هذا اليوم المبارك ذنبا إلا غفرته ولا هما إلا فرجته ولا دينا إلا قضيته ولا مريضا إلا شافيته وعافيته ولا حاجة من حوائج الدنيا لك فيها رضا ولنا فيها صلاح إلا يسرتها وعنتنا بها يا رب العالمين عباد الله رحمكم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعذكم لعلكم تذكرون واذكروا الله يذكركم وادعوه يستجب لكم ولا ذكر الله تعالى اعلى واولى وعز وجل واتم وهم واكبر واقم الصلاه Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at 
islampodcasts.com, as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment, and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.